0: Welcome to Kidmin Talk. This is Carl Bastian, A.K.A. the Kidologist, coming to you from Kidology.org, where our mission is to equip and encourage you in your ministry to kids. Well, this is the 44th episode of Kidmin Talk. Since we added the pop-up player to the website and relaunched the podcast as Kidmin Talk, now 44 may not sound like a significant number to most, but for some silly reason, 44 has been my favorite number since I was a young boy. I suppose I liked fours and decided two fours was better than one. Or perhaps it was because, because 44 was the number worn by Reggie Jackson and Hank Aaron, two of my favorite baseball players. I remember when I turned 44 and my wife said, don't think of yourself as 44, but as two 22-year-olds. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have produced 44 podcasts to this date to equip and encourage you, my listeners. Well, today we begin a brand new series that goes right along with the Kids Church Cookbook. So sit back and relax and enjoy America's Pastime Kids Ministry. Today's show is sponsored by the release of my brand new ebook which is available completely free for a limited time for anyone to download I'll tell you more about that in just a moment but for right now it is time to talk Kidman well as we get started today the very first thing I want to do is encourage you to go to this URL that I'm going to give you it's just simply kidology.org slash for pillars, and you should be able to figure that out. It is my brand new ebook that has just come out. It's called The Kidology Way, and the subtitle is The Four Pillars of children's ministry. You know, there's a lot of trends that come and go in children's ministry and they're not all bad. They all come out of a love for kids and a desire to teach them and train them and to make disciples. But trends come and go. And some trends are great, some trends are not so great, some are healthy, some are a distraction. And this book is about what are those consistent things that aren't trends that every ministry should always have. And I suggest that there are four pillars that you need to have in your children's ministry. And I also talk about what the foundation is that those four pillars have to be built upon. You see, kidology.org, for many of you, is a name that when you hear of Kidology you think of a website. You think of a website that's filled with ideas, you're a website that's got a forum, a website that's got great resources from over a hundred vendors. You think there's a of the job center, maybe the resource director, that free yellow pages of children's ministry companies. You think of a lot of things but you may think of things that have to do with a website. And the purpose of this book was to help people who are newer to Kidology, they haven't been around for the past several decades of Kidology's growth, to understand that Kidology, the study of kids, there is a philosophy of ministry at the root of Kidology. There is a philosophy of ministry underneath every product that we create, the way in which we answer questions in the forum, um, that, that guides the kind of content that we seek, for the website, and it's all based upon these four pillars. And early on, before the website that is known as kidology.org had so much on it, people who were uh, bought into kidology, they understood this philosophy of ministry. In fact, they would call themselves Kidologist, because as as I've explained many times on this podcast, I don't call myself the kidologist because I'm a a guru or an expert or because I have all the answers. Um, That would be a big misunderstanding. That title comes from a desire to always be learning and to always be a student of kids, and of their world. And so I invite others, you know, to be kidologists too, and to buy into that kidology philosophy of ministry. So I encourage you, I'm going to do a series on the kidology way um, after the new year, but for now, just go there. It's only 50 pages long. It goes through the foundation, all four of those pillars, what they are, but not just uh, pie-in-the-sky philosophical ivory tower stuff. It gives some very practical a breakdown of what those pillars look like when they're implemented in your ministry for some of you, for parts of it, it's just going to be encouraging. You're going to be like, all right, we're right on. We've got those pillars in place. Others of you are going to be challenged and you're going to be like, okay, we've got this one. We're weak on that one. And it's going to be a great exercise for you. And there's a discussion forum linked at the bottom of that, catology.org slash four pillars. And I welcome your feedback, your pushback, your conversation, your dialogue. I always say, welcome to disagree with me. Just be nice and let's engage in a great discussion because it's all about reaching kids who are not just having fun at church but are becoming true disciples of the word of God. Now today what I want to do is I want to begin a series of going through the kids church cookbook and so part one today is going to be about what it means to be a chef of God's word because you may have seen the cookbook there in the Kidology website in the store or linked or banner ads, you may thought, what is this cookbook? You know, is this is this snacks for children's church? Um, there are no recipes in there except for recipes on how to create lessons that kids will love. And basically The reason I created this, I'd like to say it's a definitive work on children's church, something that's really never been created before. After I uh, took a break from full-time pastoral ministry when I became a dad and went full-time with Kidology, I'd had two full-time jobs and really reached just a crisis point in my life. where I realized I was just doing way too much, and that's a very, uh, very simple Uh, summary to a a really difficult time that I went through. And yet um, I was no longer teaching kids church every week. And that's something I had been doing since I was a very young man. And I started doing the math and figuring out, well, how many Sundays have I taught? And how many kids church services have I written? I figured out it was over a thousand, literally over a thousand children's church services I had written and taught. And I'd learned so much over the years. And actually my wife challenged me. She said, during this season where you're not every week cranking out another full-blown children's church with skits and dramas and multimedia and meeting with your kids crew. Why don't you take this time to write what you have learned and invest in others? But I thought, well, how do I do that? There was an old kids church book on the website. Many of you uh, may have that predecessor. It's like a 50-page book, and it had a lot of great information. All that information is still in the cookbook, but it's been expanded and, and revised. But I wanted a a theme or a genre or some kind of a word picture or object lesson of what it meant to be a teacher, a pastor, Uh, a shepherd, someone who's communicating God's word. And it was pretty ironic that I came up with the idea of a chef since the best thing I can cook is macaroni and cheese or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And uh, my wife can tell you my attempts at even making scrambled eggs have resulted in some pretty uh, disappointing breakfasts. And so uh, I'm not a chef of food, but I love to be a chef Of the Word of God. Now, we all love food, right? We all have our favorite restaurants. I mean, I love to go out to Red Robin, that's one of my favorites. And I tell you, the first time I went there, I was a guest, I was out of town speaking, and the fellow who took me out to Red Robin, he just told me, I mean, it's almost like an order, he said, You're getting the bonsai burger. I was like, "All right, well, if I'm being treated, I'm I'm not going to argue." I've I've been a missionary. I've eaten some pretty strange things on the mission field. Uh, when you're a guest, and you just smile and eat it. So I looked at the menu, and I saw this bonsai burger, and it was a hamburger, but it it had pineapples and teriyaki sauce and a bunch of other stuff. And I thought, oh, well, this is going to be rough. I'm getting to be a missionary right here in America, eat this disgusting burger." And it became my favorite burger. In fact, I have some friends out there on Twitter land that we tweet each other whenever we're at Red Robin because we love Red Robin. Now, Red Robin, you go in there and they've got a theme, right? They've got that, that uh, what is that bird? I don't even know, what a woodpecker or something? I don't know what the bird is, but they got that bird there and they've got pictures all over the walls and they've altered some of those pictures, if you look carefully, and included their hamburger into some classic photos and they just make it such a fun place. And, our job in teaching is much like the job of a restaurant. Now, if you think about it, um, food is really just fuel for our body. It's really just what we need to, to live Um you know, our body without food will die long before that. It will get weak and malnourished. We won't function right. We won't be able to do the things we need to do. And so we just need to eat, you know, and somewhere along the line, someone figured out we ought to eat three times a day. We have breakfast, we have lunch, we have dinner. If you're a hobbit, you got second breakfast and third breakfast and second lunch or whatever. But, you know, we have these multiple meals, right? But we have fallen in love with food. Some of us a little too much, but We don't just view food as fuel. We view it as an experience. We want it to taste good. We want to eat it in a great environment, which we're going to talk about next week. And we want to make it um, an event, something that we do socializing. That's why we'll pay more to eat out than we do at home because we want to make it special. Well I've heard people say, you know, well kids just need the word of God. You know, you don't need all that fun. You don't need all that that noise and everything. All you need is just to give them the word of God and you'll know, they'll be fine. You know, and that sounds that sounds so spiritual, you know? But but unfortunately if all we do is just read the word of God and and we make it you know boring to the kids, are they really going to get it? I mean, if, if that's all we do, we just preach the word, and that means just you know reading it and talking at the kids, and they go home uninspired, unchallenged, and uninterested, or without an understanding, then we've failed. Then we we have not done our job as teachers because our job is to make the word of God attractive we're to make it healthy we're to make it appealing now that doesn't mean that we're to change the message there there's some there's some bitterness to the message we have to teach that we're sinners and that we need a savior there's things that God asks us to do that are difficult so i'm not talking about dumbing down the message but making the message something that kids want to hear and making it something enjoyable making it a social experience much like when we go out to a restaurant and so don't view yourself just as a teacher you know do you want to be in a fast food restaurant you know mentality where it's just McDonald's and Burger King or Taco Bell I want to pick on them all universally where you know it's just the the same old thing I I go into McDonald's I look at the menu and I'm like why am I looking at the menu if I took a few minutes I could probably recreate that entire menu on paper I know the menu I should just order what I want or just close my eyes and think about it because it's just the same old thing all the time. And I know fast food places try to provide some variety and come out with, you know, Dorito shells and things like that. But for the most part, it's the same stuff. Or do you want to be a chef of God's word? Do you want to be someone who really intentionally tries to create a unique experience for your kids in your church? And viewing yourself as a chef it, it heightens, it increases, and and it magnifies your role because your job is to take the word of God, which at times can be bland or can be boring or can be bitter to swallow, and preparing it in a way that the kids eat it up. You know, let me share a couple verses with you that I think are just so relevant. And these are shared in the first uh, chapter of section one of the Kids Church Cookbook. Deuteronomy chapter four, verse nine. It says, only be careful. And watch yourself closely so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen, or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. That there is our is our whole mandate, that we don't want our kids to forget the things that they've experienced or that we've experienced, we want to pass it on. But the real key here is that not only to your children, but to their children after them. Now, unless you know you're pretty old, and you get a chance to teach the children's children. Some of you have been in ministry long enough that you've actually got kids in your ministry who are descendants of kids in your ministry, and that—that that is awesome. But the principle here is that there's going to be kids who are going to be born after you have passed away, after you have gone to your reward in heaven. You need to teach in such a way that they own that message so deeply and has become so much a part of the fiber of who they are, that they in turn are going to teach what you taught to their children without you being there. And that's exciting. And that's why this verse starts out with only be careful and to watch yourselves closely. So if we're going to have that kind of a ministry, it can't be boring. It can't be uninteresting. It can't be bland. We've got to be a chef who pulls it together in such a way you know first timothy 4 13 says until i come paul's talking to his disciple a young pastor until i come devote yourself he says to the public reading of scripture to preaching and to teaching we need to we need to make the focus of our ministry one that we are aware that we are devoted devoted to preaching and teaching now as you know, in fact, I should probably put in the show notes a link to a day in the life of a children's pastor. There are so many other things that we are called on to do and asked to do that have nothing to do with teaching children. And we have classes of staff. We've got photocopies to make. We've got background checks to do. You know, we've got to communicate with the fire department, you know, because the smoke alarm went off during our last object lesson. I mean, we've got all kinds of things that we need to do, but we can't get distracted from our main job. And that is making disciples. Jesus told us to go into all the world and to make disciples. That means leading them to Christ. He says, baptizing them. And then he said in Matthew 28, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. There is a teaching mandate. And that takes a willingness for us to devote ourselves to them. Later in Titus, Paul said, in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, he says, show integrity. And, in sh- and show seriousness. Wow. What kind of teaching? Does your teaching, would someone who watched your teaching say, man, they've got integrity. They've got seriousness. Now don't confuse the fun with this demand for seriousness, but let's start with integrity. That means your meal is going to be well-balanced, your teaching. Now when we prepare meals for kids. What? We want them to be well-balanced, right? want them to have some meat. want them some vegetables, some bread and cereal, you know, something from the milk group. You know, the kids always add the junk food group. You know, I added that when I was a kid too. You know, in the same way in our teaching, we want to show integrity. You know, we've got to have that main Idea, but we're going to complement it with sides, and they're going to be side dishes, the skits, and the dramas, and the games, all those things that we do. They're not just to have fun; they're not just to give the thing kids things to do. But it's to draw them into that main idea. They, they're complementary sides, and then I like, I love the analogy of, of a side salad. You know, sometimes there's things that uh, you just have to do every week, whether it's a missions moment or taking the offering. But it's such a great analogy to creating a well balanced meal as to creating a well balanced lesson. But then he says with seriousness. Now, the seriousness is not necessarily always being serious in front of the kids. Your lessons can be upbeat and light and fun and filled with laughter. But there's a seriousness underneath it. There's a seriousness in your preparation in your planning, in your prayer. You know, in the research that goes into what you're going to teach and how you're going to teach it and why you're going to teach it and whether you have rehearsals or not or what how far ahead you plan out what you're going to teach and what you're trying to accomplish in the life of your kids before you hand them off to that youth pastor, all right? There's a seriousness to it. You know, I had a dad come to me once years ago in ministry and you know his girls came home every Sunday and they were laughing and talking about all these crazy things that happened in children's church and he was a serious dad he was a dad that wanted his daughters to be raised up to know God to fear God to follow God and so he actually made an appointment to meet with me and he said you know frankly Carl I I don't send my girls to church to have fun I sent him there to learn about God's word. And I hear him coming home, talking about games and talking about stories and talking about things your puppet did. So I said, well, can you think of some examples? Give me one of the games they talked about. So he gave me the game. And, and I explained how that game had a, an experience that they had that was an object lesson. that ended up complementing the lesson. And that was very insightful for him. And and then he gave me an example of of something that a puppet did that kids thought was funny. He blew up because he hadn't followed the instructions. We talked about the destruction that comes into our life. We don't follow God's instructions, the word of God. And one by one, as he gave me examples of the fun that the kids had, he found out there was a seriousness underneath the fun. And as I began to unpack my whole philosophy of ministry to him, he ended up coming full circle and saying, you know, I notice you pull your Gus and Molly... Uh, Puppets out of a bag. He said, Wouldn't it be great if if you had a town? And this father donated a significant amount of money to our church so that the town that you see on Kidology, uh, kidology Kidology.org slash Kidstown, that beautiful 44 foot set that I had, it was 12 feet deep of storage behind it with doors and windows and cameras and mics. This was all donated and provided because one father understood that there was a seriousness behind the fun, that I had integrity and seriousness to my teaching, even though the kids were having a blast. So I've had that happen so many times where leaders have come to talk to me or parents. And when I get into talking about why I do what I do, you know, on my name signature, I always sign it because Jesus loves children. That's my reason for so much of what I do. I take it back to, well, I do it that way because Jesus loves kids. They're often surprised at how serious I am. And I'll take them back to this passage that says that we're to show seriousness in how we approach the word of God. You know, another great verse is from Nehemiah 8.8. And in here it says, they read from the book of the law of God, talking about the Israelites, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. You see, when they were reading the word of God, they didn't just stand up and read it in a public setting and then say, there, we've done our duty. We've read this holy manuscript of God to the people. They made it clear and they gave the meaning. And so we need to make sure in our teaching that we do the same thing, that we make it clear and we give the meaning. And that's what being a chef of God's word is all about. That's what this 273-page kids' church cookbook is all about. It's about how to create a lesson from any passage, how to form that recipe. It's about how to complement your lesson with all kinds of ingredients, whether it's drama, whether it's puppets, you know, whether it's technology, whether it's object lessons, uh, whether it's music. Um, it, it just goes into a lot of depth that I, I won't be able to do on the podcast. Um, but in this first section, just on Call to Be a Chef, it goes into this, the whole debate of whether to even have a children's church or not. And then it goes into, you know, what I believe if Jesus led children's church, um, how would he do it? What would his focus be? And then it's just loaded with tips for having a successful children's church and even how to launch a children's church um, if you're going to launch a kid's church service. You know, if you put time into preparing the word of God cooking it up in such a way that it's, it's uh, delicious to the kids and it's fun to eat, you're, you're going to have less discipline problems, you're going to have more engaged kids, and ultimately you're going to change lives. Because Jesus commissioned us to teach, right? To go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Well, how do you know if you've taught? Well, if you've taught, then your students, and I often refer to my kids as students, so that they know they're there to learn, Number one, they will have learned things. And number two, their lives will be changed. You will hear wonderful stories of things that have happened in the lives of kids as a result of your teaching. And perhaps your kids, just like Jeremiah in chapter 15, verse 16, he said, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. You know, as a teacher of kids you have this incredible opportunity. You have this opportunity to open up the Word of God to kids and to make it attractive, to make it enjoyable, and to make not Red Robin their favorite place to go or the McDonald's with the play area, like my son, but to make church their favorite place they want to go. Next week, we're going to talk about the environment, why the environment's important at a restaurant and why environment is important. Environment is not just decorating. It's a whole lot more than that. But for now, I want you to think hard and pray hard about what does it mean for you to be a chef of God's Word? And what could you do differently to be more devoted, to have more integrity, and to be more serious about your teaching in such a way that when you teach or when your teams that you oversee teach, really make it clear and really give the meaning. Because if you do that, you will have kids that are spiritually well-nourished and who can't wait to come to church. I've had so many families over the years, parents almost mad at me because their kids, they could they were going to Disney World for vacation. They wanted to leave Friday after school, but they could not leave till Sunday after church because their kids demanded that they not miss a Sunday of church. And I don't say that in a way to brag. I say that as an encouragement to you that when you make your teaching something that you have prepared in the kitchen of love and Bible study and creativity, you too are going to create lessons and experiences for kids that they don't want to miss and they're going to keep coming back for more. Well, thanks again for listening to Kidman Talk As always, I love your feedback, your encouragement, your questions, your suggestions. Remember, you can shape the show by writing to me at carl at kidmantalk.com. You can use Twitter at Kidman Talk, or you can participate in the forum. And this week, I would love for you to share in the forum, linked at the bottom of the show notes, some of the things that you have done to help make your teaching more enjoyable, more appetizing, and more delicious to your students so that others can be encouraged by your creativity as well. Until next time, this is Carl, the Kidologist, signing off. Until we're back again here on Kidman Talk.